Welcome back to the Uncommon Radio Special featuring Tony Dungy, author of the new book titled Uncommon, Finding Your Path to Significance. If you'd like more information about Tony Dungy, visit daretobeuncommon.org. There you can watch Tony's new video interview, Dare to Be Uncommon. Read what people are saying about his strong faith in God. Sign up for Tony's podcast and read Coach Dungy's blog. It's all at daretobeuncommon.org. As many of you know, Tony Dungy coached the Indianapolis Colts to a Super Bowl victory in 2007, defeating the Chicago Bears 29-17. But just the previous year, his team was 13-0 and headed for what seemed like a certain trip to the Super Bowl. Then tragedy struck as his oldest son died. Not only did Tony's team not make the Super Bowl that year, but he was forced to deal with one of the hardest things a parent will ever have to face. Just six weeks later, after the Colts were eliminated from the playoffs, Tony spoke in an Athletes in Action breakfast the morning before the Super Bowl. In this inspiring speech, Tony shared how he dealt with the loss of his son and the lessons he's learned from his other two sons. I want to talk about something that's very important to me, and I want to talk about my relationship with Christ, uh, what God has done in my life, and some of the things that I've seen him do. And I, I know as a football coach, it's oftentimes better to use illustrations than, than to talk. Uh, with our team, I can show one video clip of a play that an opponent is going to run, and it's much better than me talking for 15 minutes. So I'm going to illustrate three things uh, that I've learned about the Lord, and I'm going to use my boys uh, to illustrate that. Uh, I'm going to start with my middle son, Eric. He's uh, 14 years old, and if you watch a lot of football, you, you've probably seen him on the sidelines of Colts games. He looks more like me than my other two boys do. Uh, as a matter of fact, he looks so much like me, when I look at him, I see myself at 14, and I see a lot of the same things. Eric is very, very competitive, ultra-competitive. Um, he's focused on sports to where it's almost a problem. He's super emotional to where it's almost scary. Now, those of you that see me now would say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound a lot like you. But it, it was me at 14. Uh, I grew up not too far from here in Jackson, Michigan, and there's some people in this room that knew me when I was 14 years old. And when people talk about me being composed and calm on the sideline, my buddies laugh because that's not the guy they remember. I was the guy that got the technical fouls, that got uh, thrown out of the games, that got in the fights. Uh, I quit the team my senior year because I had a disagreement with the coach. And now when people ask me, how do you stay so calm on the sideline? I, I really have to tell them, it is Christian maturity, okay? and it's Christ working in me. It's not natural. Uh, it didn't happen overnight. It was a process. So when I look at Eric now at 14 and I look at myself, uh, that's one of the things I know about God. I know how powerful his spirit is. I know that he can change people, and I know that he'll do that if we allow him to. And I, I really believe he's going to do that with Eric as he grows. Second way I've seen God's hand at work is, is through our youngest son, uh, Jordan. He's five years old. Jordan was born with a rare, very, very rare neurological condition. It's called congenital insensitivity to pain. <laughs> There's only two or three cases in the, in the whole United States. It's a little more prevalent uh, in other countries, but there, there's only been about three diagnosed in the United States. And basically what happens, he's missing the conductors that allow the nerve signals to go from his body to his brain. 
And that sounds like it's good uh, at the beginning, but I promise you it's not. Okay? We've learned a lot about pain in the last five years since we've, we've had Jordan, and we've learned that some hurts are really necessary for kids. Pain is necessary really for kids to find out the difference between what's good and what's harmful. Jordan loves cookies, and cookies are good for you. But in his mind, if they're good out on the plate, they're even better in the oven. And so he will go right in the oven, if my wife's not looking when she's baking them, reach in, take the rack out, take the pan out, burn his hands, okay, eat the cookie that's too hot, burn his tongue, uh, and never feel it. And he doesn't know that that's bad for him. Okay? When we go to the park, he'll go on the slide, and all kids know it's fun to go up the slide and slide down, and he has fun doing that too. To him, it's just as much fun jumping off from the top. He has no fear of anything, so we constantly have to watch him. We've also learned that pain actually helps the body heal, something I didn't know until talking with the doctors, that you get an injury, your brain senses there's pain there, and it sends the right healing agents naturally to that spot because it senses something's wrong. Without that sensation of feeling something's wrong, Jordan's body doesn't send those, those healing agents, and consequently he's got cuts from June and July that, that haven't healed yet. The other thing we've noticed with him and our other four kids is that pain is the quickest way to get your kids to come back to you. And if you have young kids, you've all, all experienced that before. Hey, don't do this, don't do that, you're going to get hurt. They don't always listen, but as soon as they get hurt, they come screaming back to you. We've got a daughter the same way. She's the same way, and as soon as something happens, she runs and races, and it's very dramatic, but she comes and jumps in your arm. Jordan, be careful. Don't run in the house. You're going to run into something, you'll get hurt. Bam! But he keeps on going because he doesn't feel the pain, and he doesn't turn back to us all the time. So that's what we've seen, and really, you get the question all the time. Why does the Lord allow pain in your life? Why do bad things happen to good people? If God is a God of love, why does he allow these hurtful things to happen? Well, we've learned that a lot of times, because of that pain, that, that little temporary pain, you learn what, what's harmful. You learn to fear the right things. Pain sometimes lets us know we've got a condition that needs to be healed. Okay? And pain inside sometimes lets us know that spiritually we're not quite right and we need to to be healed, and God will send that healing agent right to the spot. And sometimes pain is the only way that will turn us as kids back to the Father. So we've learned a lot about that. But I think the most important lesson that I've learned about the Lord, I've learned from my oldest son, James. As you heard, James would have been 19, uh, but he died right before Christmas. James was a Christian. And he was by far the most sensitive, the most compassionate of all our boys. Uh, because of that, he was always looking around for that person that needed help. He was always looking for the one that was hurting, the one that was alone. Most of his friends that uh, we had gotten to know, if I'd ever ask him, how'd you get to know my son? I'd say, well, I was sitting by myself in the cafeteria one day, or one day the kids were picking on me. Or one day I was walking home by myself and he gave me a ride. That's the kind of guy he was. Very, very compassionate, very sensitive. As most teenage boys today, 
uh, James was getting a lot of messages from the world that, that maybe that's not the way to be. And you've all seen them on TV, in the movies, the music they listen to, the magazines that they're able to read. And you get those conflicting signals and, and mixed signals. And he was struggling very much with how you should respond to the world. And he ended up taking his life uh, right before Christmas. And it was tough. It was very, very painful. But as painful as it was, there were some good things that came out of it. When I was at the funeral, uh, I talked about one of my biggest regrets. James was home for Thanksgiving and uh, was leaving, going back to school and, and going back to work. And just a normal process. You don't think about it. I said, hey, I'll see you later. My daughter took him to the airport. We just exchanged a, you know, see you later. And that was the last time I saw him. Talked to him on the phone a lot. Uh, but never saw him again. And I shared at the funeral that my biggest regret was that I didn't give him a big hug the very last time I saw him. A guy, I, I met a guy the next day after the funeral, and he said, you know, I was there. I heard you talking. I took off work today. I called my son, and I said, I'm going to take you to the movies, and we're going to spend some time and go to dinner. That was a real, real blessing to me. I've gotten a lot of letters like that from people who have heard what I said and said, hey, you brought me a little closer to my son or a little closer to my daughter, and that is a tremendous blessing. We were able to donate uh, some of James' organs to the Organ Donors Program. Got a letter back about two weeks ago that two people had received his corneas and now can see. That has been a tremendous blessing. I had the privilege of talking to a young man who was James's age, who was going through some struggles, didn't know if he could make it. And we talked for about a week, and his voice just didn't sound good, but every day it sounded a little bit better and better. And uh, about 10 days later, he called me back and asked me how I was doing, and I could just feel in his voice he was doing better and he was going to make it. And that was a tremendous blessing. Got a letter from a girl in our church who had grown up with James, and she said, you know, I've, we've been going to the same church in Tampa for all these years. I sat there in church every Sunday, but never really knowing if there was a God or not. I came to the funeral because I knew James. When I saw what happened at the funeral and your family and the celebration uh, and how it was handled, that was the first time I realized there has to be a God. And I accepted Christ into my life, and my life's been different uh, since, since that day. And that was an awesome blessing. So all those things have kind of made me realize what God's love is all about. But here's the biggest part of that. I know in my heart that James's death has affected many people and benefited many people, and that makes me feel better. But I also know this, if God had had a conversation with me and said, I can help some people see, I can heal some relationships, I can save some people's lives, I can give some people eternal life, but I have to take your son to do it, you make the choice. I know how I'd have answered that. I'd have said, no, I I'm sorry. 
As, as great as all that is, I, I don't want to do that. And that's the awesome thing about God. He had that choice. And he said, yes, I'm going to do it 2,000 years ago with his son Jesus on the cross. And because he said yes, because he made the choice that, that I wouldn't make as a parent, that's paved the way for us to come back into relationship with him. That's let us know with a certainty that we can live in heaven. That's the benefit I got by accepting Christ into my heart. That's the benefit James got. Now, I went back to work one week after my son died. I had a lot of media people, a lot of sports writers, a lot of fans ask me, how could you get back to work so quick after something like that? How have you recovered so quickly? And I'm not totally recovered. Uh, I don't know if I ever will be. It's still very, very painful. But I was able to come back because of something one of my good Christian friends said to me uh, after the funeral. He said this. He said, you know, James accepted Christ into his heart, so you know he's in heaven, right? I said, right, I know that. So with all you know about heaven, if you had the power to bring him back right now, would you? And when I thought about that, I said, no, I wouldn't. I would not want him back with what I know about heaven. That's what helped me through the grieving process. Because of Christ's spirit in me, I had that confidence that James is there at peace with the Lord, and I have a peace of mind in the midst of something that's very, very painful. And that's my prayer today, that everyone in this room would know that same thing. Well, you've been listening to Tony Dungy speaking to an Athletes in Action breakfast in 2006. And what a powerful message of hope and the promise that God has for all who put their faith in Christ. This is the Uncommon Radio Special featuring Tony Dungy, author of the new book titled Uncommon, Finding Your Path to Significance. And when we come back, we'll hear Tony describe the world's definition of success and his own description. People see me as a Super Bowl winning coach and we won a Super Bowl and that's great, but in terms of really impacting people's lives, uh, my mom and dad did that much more. Back with more of the Uncommon Radio Special with Coach Tony Dungy next. <laughs> 